Trust the only payment solution developed for attorneys and recommended by 47 state bars, LawPay. Law school graduations are right around the corner, and a fair amount of the members of the class of 19 are still looking for work. So what practice areas need lawyers in 2019? I'm Stephanie Francis Ward, and on today's episode of the ABA Journal's Asked and Answered, I'm speaking about that with Valerie Fontaine, the founding partner of the legal search firm, Seltzer Fontaine. Valerie, welcome to the show. Thank you, Stephanie. So the question I think lawyers of all experience levels want to know, for this year, what practice areas need the most lawyers? Okay, I'm going to answer that throughout this show in sort of three general uh, areas. One is uh-huh. traditional practice areas. A second is sort of new, emerging, and disruptive practice areas. And the third is what I call the evergreens. So okay. starting with traditional practice areas, I will start with transactional, and that includes corporate, real estate, tax, that sort of thing. So what is hot right now is in corporate, especially mergers and acquisitions and private equity. Mergers and acquisitions really boomed in 2018, and that came on the heels of a strong 2017, and there are big expectations for this coming year. Um, Corporations and private equity firms really benefited from a surging economy over the past 10 years, and so they've been sort of building up cash, and they need to spend it. And with the tax reform last year, they might even have a little bit more free cash. So some of them are buying back their uh, stocks, and others are investing in mergers and acquisitions. So even if the economy slows, some experts expect that those areas are going to continue to grow, especially in the private equity sector. So for a young lawyer or a brand new lawyer who's just coming out of law school in 2019, for the corporate M&A jobs, they will hire brand new lawyers, right? Are yes, you seeing they that? certainly will. Absolutely. They are looking for junior lawyers. That's, those are growing areas. What about, do you have to go to a top 10 or top 20 school, or are there some places that they'll hire someone to do corporate work who, you know, went to a law school that's not in the top 10 or the top 20? Well, obviously, that depends upon the firm and the size of the clients. Yeah. The bigger the firm, the sort of the fancier the firm, usually the bigger the client, and they're doing bigger deals. But this uh-huh. is a trend. The mergers are, are working all the way from smaller firms, businesses, all the way up to the larger businesses. So some of the smaller firms and more local firms are going to be a little more lenient when it comes to the fancy law school credentials. So it depends upon where you went. You can kind of gauge the kind of firm that you go to. And, of course, then they might be working with maybe not the huge international deals, but they might be working with the, the local deals where these things are going on because the private equity works all the way. You know, the private cash is in the economy all the way from the top to the bottom. And do you think that even if the economy slows down, do you think the M&A market is going to be strong for a bit? Well, what the experts are saying is that they think it's going to continue for a little while. The legal work sort of trails behind the economy to some degree. And this is one of the points I was going to make later, but I can make it now. And that is that it's very wise to recession-proof yourself. So if you are doing 
real estate finance, for example, or corporate finance, for example, you want to look at sort of the opposite or flip side of what that work is. So what are the workouts? What are the um, the sort of the buybacks or the what is the opposite? What is the sort of undoing of the deals you're doing? And you need to be keeping that in mind as you're doing the work that's booming right now because, and we've seen this in the cyclical economy, and I've been doing this for over 30 years now, so I have seen this several times where there's a boom and a bust. So right now there are a lot of transactional jobs, both in corporate and real estate, because cash is available, and that's another place where cash goes in real estate acquisition and development, just as with the M&A. You need to understand the opposite side of that, and that's where the workouts come in, and sometimes uh, corporate bankruptcies come in. So you need to be keeping that in mind. So when you're doing your MCLE, your continuing legal education, you're learning the other side that you are paying attention when you're doing the deals of what the opposite side of that's going to be so you can recession-proof yourself. Because what does happen is when the law firms are hiring a lot of transactional people in the boom times, those are the first people that are going to be let go in the bust times. So you need to be paying attention to the opposite side of the deals that you're doing, as I said before, and the people who have taken courses and done the straight deal that comes through. That's the workout or the going private or whatever action that's going on are the ones that are going to continue to have work and going to have more career and job security. So it sounds like if you're in private practice and you are doing corporate work, it's probably a good idea to get assigned to at least one bankruptcy filing. If you can. So you just want to keep up, yeah. keep your eyes open for that sort of work that's coming in because that, not that many are going to be coming in right now. And so if you're doing, you know, real estate lending or corporate, you know, finance work, you also want to keep your eye out to learn the opposite side of that. So any workout work that's going on and there is, there always are those deals. They're just not as many right now. So you want to learn that. So you are able to step into that role when you keep your eyes open and you see the economy starting to go down and your work is starting to slow down, you want to make sure that you jump in to where the activity is building up. And you want to always say yes, you want to volunteer for learning a broader area of practice so you're able to make that switch. Sometimes what happens is that law firms will switch people into litigation areas if there's more litigation work to be done than corporate work. And you need to be flexible to learn those other areas because, you know, the experts are saying that a recession or a slowdown, not necessarily a recession, but a slowdown is coming in. The economy is cyclical. And at some point, it will slow down. So it's a a word to the wise. And we've been on an upward trajectory for quite a while now. And we may be sort of at the end of the big boom. So you need to be watching out for yourself over the next few years to make sure you're ready for the slowdown. What's going on with the labor and employment practice? Well, labor and employment is an area there's almost always something going on. Right now, there's not as much traditional labor work, meaning union work. However, there is high demand in litigation. And there are certain areas that rise and fall depending upon what's going on in the world. There are both class action and single plaintiff uh, actions going on. There's also counseling 
and training and writing employee handbooks. That's always going on at all times in the economy. But you want to be watching out for what are the new areas that are coming up. For example, right now, because mergers and acquisitions are so hot, there are a lot of uh, employment issues involved in that as companies are combining their workforces. So employee benefits need to be looked at, executive compensation needs to be looked at, ERISA issues, that sort of thing comes into play. Also, with the immigration debate going on, there are going to be changes in immigration law, so that's definitely heating up. It's also changing for the big corporations that are trying to bring in foreign workers that are specialized in particular areas, getting their visas has, you know, that's become much more difficult. So immigration happens to be a particularly, an area of work that's heating up right now, as it has been in the past. Is that true for someone who wanted to do a solo practice too? Because that's an area that a lot of lawyers will venture into. Yes. Is there work there with clients with money to pay in immigration? Yes. There are, okay. because there are a lot of foreign workers that with advanced degrees that want to come in and companies that want to hire mm. them, and the visas have become more difficult to get. Ah, I see. So I there see. are also other areas that are very hot in labor and employment right now. One is classification of workers because of the gig economy. That's raised all kinds of new questions and a whole new sector of the economy that's grown. Uh, California is always the leader in a lot of different areas when it comes to labor and employment work. So coming to California to start a labor and employment practice, whether on your own or with a larger organization, is always a good way to go because if you can do California labor and employment work, you can do it anywhere. And there are a lot of companies that even if they are headquartered elsewhere, they want yeah. their labor and employment attorneys to understand California law because... The Ninth Circuit, have, right? Yes, <laughs> right. And they may have you know operations in this area. Uh, other areas that have certainly heated up in labor and employment uh, are the LGBTQ, especially trans protections are a hot area. Mm-hmm. Uh, Me Too Movement has heightened sensitivity to sexual harassment and gender pay inequality. Um, There also is new legislation that's heating up across the country on banning employers to ask about compensation questions because you can't use current or past compensation to set compensation and offers going forward. So there's a lot of litigation over interpreting some of those new legislation that's rolling out across the country. Also, there's been a real pushback against mandatory arbitration clauses. We're even seeing that in the law schools where the law students are protesting against the, the large firms that are bringing them on as summer associates. They don't want to sign the mandatory arbitration clauses. And that's right. happening across the economy. So there's, there's that going on. Also, and this is a particularly juicy area, and I'm going to talk a little bit more about this later, is the legalization of marijuana has caused all kinds of questions about in the employment arena. There's really sticky issues with regard to drug testing and, you know, whether it's if medical marijuana is okay in your state and what if this employee or prospective employee is using marijuana for medical issues, you know, that sort of brings out all kinds of, you know, discrimination and and privacy issues and all that sort of thing. So, you know, even like alcohol use, even if it's legal, pot can still be impermissible on the job. And so employers are in a real quandary on how to deal with that. So that's another area that's emerging in labor and employment. It sounds like, 
I mean, is it possible, assuming that one has an interest in employment law, that might be a more safe bet to build your practice than M&A work? Oh, I agree. I completely agree. Okay. Uh, because there's always something going on in labor and employment. And yeah. when when the economy goes bad and people are being laid off, then all of a sudden there are all kinds of retaliatory claims of racial discrimination, age discrimination, you know, there are those issues coming up uh, in a bad time. And in good time, as uh, companies are growing, there are more and more labor and employment issues coming up. So labor and employment is actually a pretty safe bet. On the one hand, that's a plus. On the negative side, it is a lower billing rate area than mergers and acquisitions mm. in corporate. So right. there's more money to be made in corporate, but there's more security in labor and employment. So I think people need to go where what interests them and what excites them. But these are just some things to keep in mind. I was curious... I'm just wondering if you're hearing things, knowing that you recognizing you mostly work in private practice. Are you seeing many entry-level jobs in the government arena for lawyers? Because that was down for some time, I think. Right. And I know, and this may not be answering your question directly, is there's a lot more work to be done in the nonprofits like the ACLU because of what's going on politically. And so they're doing oh, a they're lot doing of the fundraising. Yeah. Uh, yes, they're getting all kinds of money, and they're bringing all sorts of suits against the government. So uh-huh. there are a lot of regulatory changes going on. Uh, the Trump administration is trying to roll back a lot of regulations. There's a lot of pushback against that. So where there's you know tension and pushback, there's work for lawyers to be done. So R- yeah, you know, my, that's for sure. So, so what I see is we do very little um, government placement, only, and we only do it at the very, very highest levels because those are the only searches that they engage people like me to do. But there's been a lot more hiring, you know, in the nonprofit sector. We do some of that, but if they're suing the government, there's got to be government lawyers to to fight back. That's all I can say about that. Okay. Okay. How about healthcare law? Is that a hot practice area now or is it slowing down a bit? Well, I have to say healthcare is a an area of practice in complete tumult. And when there's tumult, there's work to be done. Um, there's three broad categories of uh, healthcare work. There's transactional, regulatory, and litigation. There has been activity in mergers and acquisitions in the healthcare world, but there's also been a number of those mergers that have been rejected by regulators. So there's some litigation over that. Regulatory, I mean, all bets are off. We do not know what is going to go on with the ACA. So when there's so much in flux about who is going to be offering the care, who's going to be paying for the care, there's going to be lots of regulatory work to be done, and there's going to be a lot of litigation over these matters. So, you know, there are also bankruptcies that are occurring in the healthcare arena. You know, I have a client, we've, we've been doing a lot of work with a hospital holding company, and their model is to buy up hospital systems in trouble across the country. And they have just mm. boomed over the last number of years. And, but they're also having to contend with, you know, they're on the provider side, who's going to be paying? You know, as the regulations change, you know, we don't know if it's going to be the insurance company, is it going to be the government, to what degree, you know, what's the balance they're going to be. Um, so it's certainly 
going to be an interesting area of practice going forward. Healthcare is not going away, and our population is aging, so it's only going to have increased need. So that's another area of law that will be of interest, I think. There are law firms that specialize in this area, and of course, there are a lot of in-house positions because there are all the providers, there are also the insurance companies. If they continue to exist, we don't know <laughs> what's going to happen with this <laughs> well, healthcare insurance. It sounds like with all of everything that's been going on in the federal government, it's actually kind of good for lawyer employment. Well, you know, it is. I mean, when there is upheaval on the regulatory side, that's like full employment for lawyers because lawyers have to yeah. write the regulations, rewrite the regulations, litigate them, you know, and interpret them, handle compliance departments. There's a lot that's going on. So, you know, even if the economy takes a dip, some of this regulatory tumult is going to continue. So um, I, I think it's actually a pretty optimistic time for, you know, as they call it the Trump bump. <laughs> to, the to Trump go what? Into law. The Trump bump. <laughs> B-U-M-P so Trump bump. bump. Yeah, I gotcha. I gotcha. So, but, um, and in terms of it being an optimistic time for attorney jobs, you think that's across the board, correct? For attorneys at all levels, including brand new ones? I would think it would help at all levels. And the only people that are in really bad shape are senior lawyers that don't have their own books of business, their own client base. Uh, they sort of get pushed yeah. up and out. So right. as long, and that's something that new lawyers are going to have to think about if they're staying in law firms in the long run, is that they have to develop their own client base over time if they want to make partner, if they want to keep their partner slot, and if they even want to keep their job in a law firm. You can't just do good legal work. You've got to bring the business in. And right. uh, because as you know, law firms are, are businesses, and someone's got to be bringing that work in. And those the people who bring the work in are the ones who have the most power and the most uh, career uh, success and stability and security. Right. Let's take a quick break. And when we come back, I wanted to ask you about spotting general trends and thinking about what that might mean for attorney jobs in the future. We'll be right back. Did you know that attorneys who accept online payments get paid 39% faster on average than those using traditional payment methods? With LawPay, the only payment solution offered through the ABA Advantage program, you can accept client payments online, via email, or in person, no equipment needed. Visit lawpay.com podcast to sign up and get your first three months free. And we're back. I'm Stephanie Francis Ward, and on today's episode of the ABA Journal's Asked and Answered, I'm speaking with Valerie Fontaine, a legal recruiter, about the 2019 job market for lawyers. So, Valerie... In the first half of the show, you were talking about trends and what sort of jobs might be coming from those trends. For individual lawyers, how can you be savvy about just kind of keeping an eye on trends and figuring out where the jobs and business opportunities will be for attorneys before everyone else figures it out? What's your advice on that? Okay. My advice on that is a great place to make a career for yourself is to 
spot a trend and jump on it. And I have an example of that. You want to be looking at areas that are changing and new areas that are coming into existence, and that has to do a lot with disruptive technology. But I want to talk first about one example, one area that I think is new and a little bit sexy, a little bit interesting, and that might be cannabis. Uh, there is a trend right now in the law firm world to focus not necessarily on practice areas like corporate or real estate or litigation necessarily, but on an industry. And cannabis is one of the areas they're doing that. Other areas are in healthcare, hospitality, renewable energy, financial institutions, where they look at a type of client or a type of business and the law firms put together industry groups with lawyers that practice in all the various areas that touch it. And cannabis, I want to talk about that specifically because it's an area that's emerging, so it's a good place for young lawyers or new lawyers to get in and to grow along with. And since it touches so many different areas of the law, it's no matter what might interest you or you might be talented in, there might be a place for you. I don't recommend you know, just thinking cannabis only and not other areas, but this is an example. I'm working right now with a, a candidate, a lawyer, a partner candidate with a nice book of business, and he was smart enough. He was at a firm that was working a lot in the healthcare industry, and a number of years ago, their doctor clients started asking questions about medical marijuana, and the firm didn't have any expert on that, and he was an associate, and he was... I'll learn that. I'll take care of that. And as a result, he's built a huge book of business, and he's been instrumental in the regulatory and business sides of this practice. So this is an area that's rapidly growing. It's $11 billion revenue in cannabis in 2018 in the recreational market alone. They expect that to be $75 billion by 2030. And there are right now 10 states and the District of Columbia allow adult recreational cannabis use and 33 permit medicinal use. And that's, and that's just the trend. It's going to be more and more. Well, and would you say, I'm thinking that like 10 years ago, some of the white shoe firms right. really didn't want to get involved. It was, there was a that fear to get correct. involved with this. But that sounds like that's gone by the wayside, perhaps. Well, there are some firms that are still uncomfortable with it. Um, there are some mm-hmm. firms I was working with somebody who said, look, I have a cannabis client and it's really, this business is growing. And Excuse me, that's kind of a pun. But um, the firm was trying to call it construction or healthcare or whatever. They just weren't comfortable mm-hmm. with it. Mm-hmm. More and more of my law firm clients are saying, oh, yes, we do it. In fact, they're now putting together cannabis groups and anyone who's ever touched it, I did a cannabis deal, I did a cannabis lawsuit, I did a cannabis regulatory matter, they're lumped into this, you know, cannabis lawyer industry group and they're promoting it. And they're, more and more law firms are promoting hmm. it. And um, it just cracked me up. I asked one of my clients if they are interested in the cannabis area and they said, oh yes, we do all the sins. <laughs> they, they represent porn <laughs> uh, producers where there's big, you know, the San Fernando Valley is right here north of Los Angeles. So there's a big industry there. You know, it's like, oh, we do them, you know, that's fine. So more and more firms are getting involved in it. There are some that are so uncomfortable. They have to vet and make sure that their clients are on the up and up. There are those that are on the legal side of the law since there are so others that are not. But because there's conflicting state and regulation and enforcement going on right now between state and, you know, federal, there's a lot of work. And again, I said where there's, you know, disruption, there's work for lawyers to be done. And, uh, you know, it, it covers all practice areas, any 
like with any fledgling company, there are all kinds of business issues that are involved. They need everything that any growing business is going to need, business, real estate, regulatory, tax, zoning, all those areas. There's also IP involved, intellectual property. There's patenting uh, plants, and they want to... Uh, copyright necessarily, some of their uh, special strains and names, so some of that is in flux. There are all kinds of privacy issues that are involved, because if you're in a state where it's legal to use marijuana, and, um, well, I, I know of an example where there is a lawyer who was in a state where it was perfectly legal to use marijuana, and he was using it. He was applying for a position in another state where it wasn't legal to use marijuana, and he was getting dinged. So that was, in fact, it is a, a privacy issue, but it's also a, an employment issue that comes into play. So in, with med- medical marijuana, there's HIPAA. You know, there's medical uh, regulatory issues as well. So. so you've been working as a legal search consultant for, you know, as you said, 30 years. How do you get good differentiating between what's a fad and what's a trend? And it's going to stick okay. around. Right. I know. Well, you, some of it is just sort of watching the business journal and watching the news. I mean, cannabis is they're here to stay. I mean, it looks like that, okay. that, that ship has sailed. But there are other areas that are growing in terms of technology, next generation of disruptive technology, where there are all kinds of, of opportunities as well, like in the Internet of Things. Uh, which is, you know, anything that's connected to the Internet. I mean, there was a joke. Uh, one of the politicians said something about being spied on by their toaster, and I, I thought that was kind of a funny thing. But this really is not as crazy as you might think because there was a situation recently where the FDA issued a safety alert about a hacking vulnerability in implantable heart defibrillators. Hmm. which is like I'm actually a little concerned about Siri and Alexa because they're listening. You know, that's what they do. And I don't necessarily want to be carrying around a listening device in my pocket or having one sitting around in my home. So there are all kinds of privacy issues going on there. But as more and more appliances and products and even cars become smarter and connected, there are all kinds of technology intellectual property, privacy, regulatory issues, even personal injury issues as some of these uh, and product liability issues as these uh, technologies you know, are out and about and perhaps, you know, hurting people like, you know, the auto driving cars, you know, that sort of thing. Right. So things that make our life easier, like self-driving yes. cars. Maybe yes. those you could, that's a pretty safe bet that that's a trend that's going to develop into the norm as opposed right. to like like a fidget spinner. I mean, that's a bad example, but <laughs> uh, as opposed to a fad. Right, exactly. So that's why it's going to take a little bit of judgment and maybe a little bit of predicting. But I think by the time something gets around to landing on your desk in a law firm, as and you see a few of these questions coming up regularly, like this cannabis guy kept saying these same, you know, these, their clients kept asking some of the same questions. You go, aha, you know, nobody in my firm knows the answer to that. This is something I need to find out about. And you start doing some research and maybe some writing about it, some speaking about it, some blogging about it, and you become an expert in that area. And 
you've uh, you know gotten yourself a, a career trajectory going on there. Another area is privacy and cybersecurity just in general. It affects all of these new things, and it's huge. So, and that is an area that's changing and growing, and there is a real need for practitioners at all levels. And when these areas of practice did not exist, you know, a number of years ago, so they're not senior lawyers, and they're all learning how to, they're having to retool themselves. And so this is a perfect place for someone to come in as a junior lawyer to assist with the research and helping a partner write a presentation or, you know, write a seminar, write a blog or whatever, as the partner, him or herself, is trying to establish this practice and trying to establish an expertise, this, the junior lawyers can go right along with and learn this area of practice. What's a good way for them to market themselves for the junior lawyers? And to differentiate themselves from others. Do you have advice on how they can market themselves in an area that few people are doing? Well, I think I mentioned some of them is one to do a whole lot of research, but to write blogs about it, write client advisories to the firm clients, to help uh, put on firm seminars in these areas to the firm's clients, to uh, write articles that go out in the legal press and in the general press. So that's how you sort of position yourself as an expert in some of these areas and market yourself not only within your own firm, which is important, so the firms need to know, oh, this is our resident expert on this area, and they start referring the business to you, and that also helps you build your book of business. Like okay. this one particular candidate I was telling you about in the cannabis area, that's how he built his nice book of business because the other lawyers in his practice weren't comfortable and didn't know about the cannabis question, and he said, oh, I'll, I'll learn it, do it, I'll learn it, I'll write about it. And so they were happy to have a new service to provide to their clients that was being requested and have somebody step in, step up, and do it. And so I just take that as an example. Some of the other areas, you know, we talked about self-driving cars, but drones are an area that are having more and more uses, and I think that's you know something that's here to stay. Companies in any of these areas need the practices I mean, that any emerging company needs. There are also all kinds of privacy and product liability issues there as well. One of the things I like to think about, I think it's kind of fun, is the, the robot and artificial intelligence. That's an area that's growing. It's not going away. And there are all sorts of different areas that it's expanding into. There are employment questions when artificial intelligence is used for screening job candidates or evaluating performance of employees who are up for promotions because they might have discriminatory discrimination issues. There's personal injury. What if a uh, an autonomous robot, you know, is out doing something and it, it hurts somebody? A product liability similar, you know. And what about in our artificial intelligence when they're actually the robot is learning? So it's doing things it wasn't necessarily programmed to do, so was it reasonably foreseeable that this injury was going to occur? And at some point, if a corporation is a person, is a robot going to have rights also? You know, would they, should they be able to enter contracts or have their own intellectual property if they create software codes or art or music? I mean, there's all kinds of stuff, you know, you're getting, this is sort of spinning it out to, but those are things that people can be watching for. 
Do you have thoughts on what areas of the country have more law jobs than others? Yes. So areas of the country, you have to follow where the money is. And so where a lot of activity is going on right now is, is because of a lot of it is technology-driven, is Northern California. New York is always a hot spot. Right now, there's a lot of activity in Texas, Houston, and Dallas, and those are the right now the largest growth opportunities. Where there's been a lot of influx of top law firms are Austin, that's Texas again, Charlotte, North Carolina, Denver, Houston, and San Diego. So you look to where a number of law firms are opening branch offices, look to where companies are uh, establishing their headquarters, and it's a follow-the-money, law is kind of a follow-the-money profession, you know, where Mm -hmm. there's economic growth and business activity, that's where there's going to be strong law firm growth and vice versa. You need to watch the trends in macroeconomics. You know, when the, when energy, um, the gas sector is doing well, Oklahoma and Texas are doing well. When they're doing, those industries are doing poorly, the law firms do poorly there as well. Areas where there's a lot of biomedical research and new technologies in terms of drugs and uh, medical devices are growing. So that's like northern San Diego County, uh, a little bit in Palo Alto, and also around the Boston area. Those are some of the areas geographically where those kinds of businesses are growing. Things can be a little more diverse these days because there are so much remote working. So people can get jobs in some of the more remote areas. For a young lawyer, you need to go where the work is. And in most cases, it's going to be a major metropolitan area that is growing business-wise as well. And just Mm, watch Business Journal. They will tell you that. Okay, so there are areas I call evergreen. And these are areas of law that are always going to be there because they're always needed. And those are the areas that are just needed in everyday day-to-day life by regular folk. And so I would say that family law is an area that's always going to be there because people are getting married, they're getting divorced, they need prenups, they need divorce, you know, there's uh, custody issues, adoptions, that sort of thing. But there's also some new wrinkles there. And as reproductive technology uh, advances, there are all kinds of legal issues, interesting legal issues that arise around that. There's also now the LGBTQ issues as Um, gay marriage is becoming the thing. There's also going to be gay divorce, and there are all kinds of interesting child custody and parental rights issues arising because of that. Estate planning is an area that everybody needs and should have an estate plan, and that's going to need updating. And as tax laws change, those need regular updating. And as the population ages, that's another area that is always going to be there. Uh, Elder law is related to that. Elder law encompasses all different areas of law, and all the way from real estate and estate planning issues to medical issues, care issues, elder abuse, financial elder abuse, those kinds of things. So there's that sometimes involves a little bit of psychology, as do family law and estate planning. So people who like to work on a person-to-person level 
uh, and really help somebody in a very granular, everyday way. Those are areas of law that are always going to be there. Everybody needs, and some of them even more so as the population is aging. Criminal defense is an area that is not going away <laughs> ever. Um, one of the things I want to say about some of these areas of law is if you're thinking about it from the money point of view, you usually get about as rich as your clients. So if you know some of the practitioners in estate planning and family law do exceedingly well financially, they have the most well-to-do clients. And then, of course, everybody needs that help all the way down to the pro bono type of work. Product liability is another area that's not going to go away because people get hurt and personal injury as well and insurance defense because, you know, there are accidents with products and with cars and other areas of transport. Yeah, right. Okay. And that's everything we have time for today, Valerie. I want to thank you so much. Well, thank you. I enjoyed speaking with you again. Yes. And listeners, thank you for tuning in. If you like what you heard today, please find us and rate us at Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, Google Podcasts, and or your favorite podcasting app. We'll see you next time for another episode of the ABA Journal's Asked and Answered.